Welcome to the Trust Your Gut Podcast. I'm your host, Demi Fair. Here we dive into the world of the mind-body connection, exploring the gut-brain axis, microbiome, and nervous system while harnessing the power of intuition and connection to spirit. If you struggle with chronic digestive and mental stress and are tired of trying just one more diet or supplement to address your symptoms, then this is the place for you. Join me as we learn from the world of science and medicine, but also from nature, our own inner knowing, and personal stories. Thank you for tuning in, and now it's time to trust your gut. Hello and welcome back to the Trust Your Gut podcast. Today's episode, I am so excited to record for you all because it is my favorite thing to talk about, which is the nervous system. And yeah, I pretty much talk about the nervous system in all of my podcast episodes and in pretty much all the content I create and with each of my clients. But That's because the health of our nervous system affects every aspect of life, and I believe it's the most important system when it comes to our health and well-being, and it really makes up the foundation of the work I do, especially with the gut-brain connection. So when we are looking at chronic symptoms, especially in the gut-brain, like digestive symptoms, anxiety, depression overwhelm, or things like feeling stuck in life, exhausted, hopeless, not being able to go after our goals or desires, feeling unmotivated, maybe having issues in our close relationships, having a lot of reactivity and feeling really triggered, maybe patterns and habits that you just can't seem to shift, negative thinking, fear, poor sleep, traumatic experiences, all these things can be linked back to our nervous system health. So many of the things that we struggle with in our lives can be linked to our nervous system and how it's responding to our environment and to the threats and the stressors that we face. Now, stress is a huge component here. When you understand your nervous system, you are understanding your stress responses. And stress tends to be the number one driving force behind the development of chronic symptoms, especially in the gut brain. So by learning about our own nervous system and how it responds to stressors, we can actually shift the way our system responds to stress and build more resiliency. When I work with clients, I spend time with them to understand their nervous system, how their specific nervous system responds, what states they tend to be in, and help them build tools to bring more regulation and resiliency to their day-to-day life. We also will do the deeper work together through somatic experiencing to help move through and process trauma, chronic stress patterns, unprocessed emotions, or incomplete threat responses that may be dysregulating their nervous system. So today, in this episode, I want to give a little nervous system 101. And my intention is to give you this information so that you understand what states your nervous system might be in and begin to identify how that feels for you and maybe start to understand why that happens. And first, we want to have awareness so that we can begin to make those shifts in our own life, and our own day-to-day, so that we can learn how to self-regulate and build more resiliency. That is an important part of helping our nervous system become more regulated. So, what is the nervous system? The nervous system is a system of nerves that is constantly scanning your outside environment and internal environment through your senses. So it's taking in that information 
and then it signals an appropriate reaction in the body to whatever is going on. So that might mean making your muscles move to take action or adjusting your heart rate and breathing or supporting your digestive system. You can think of your nervous system as the electrical wiring of your body. And the entire nervous system allows our bodies to interact with our environment, process sensations and emotions, move, think, speak, breathe, learn, remember, digest, react, and essentially stay alive. The nervous system is made up of nerve cells called neurons, nerve fibers, the brain, and the spinal cord. And this network of nerve cells and fibers carries messages from the brain and spinal cord to other parts of the body. So first, we can begin to break down the nervous system into two main parts. The first is our central nervous system. This is the main control center, and this consists of the brain and the spinal cord. The second is the peripheral nervous system, and this consists of all the other nerves in the body outside our brain and spinal cord. Now we can begin to break down the peripheral nervous system even further, and we're going to break that down into the first, known as the somatic nervous system. This is where we have our voluntary control of our body movements. So this is something that we use when we're exercising, for example, or when we need to have a reflex movement, like if we're running on a trail and we need to avoid a rock. The second part is the autonomic nervous system. And as the name suggests, this system operates automatically without our control. It controls all the basic functions of our body, and it is also the source of our survival responses, which is a really important factor we will be getting into. In fact, we are going to spend the rest of this episode talking about just the autonomic nervous system and breaking it down even further. So the autonomic nervous system can also be broken down into two branches. The first is our sympathetic nervous system. This is our fight or flight response. The second is the parasympathetic nervous system. This is our rest and digest state. So first, let's look at the sympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic acts as a gas pedal for our nervous system. It's what helps get our body ready for activity or to face a threat. So this is where we're feeling alert, we're excited, we're ready for action. And this system increases in times of stress or arousal, and that can be both positive stress or negative stress. So on more of a positive side, we will access the state when we need to perform, give an important talk or speech, compete in sports, pursue goals and desires, and also when we feel under threat or need to act quickly in an emergency like getting out of the way of danger. In the sympathetic state, our heart rate increases, so does our blood pressure and our respiration, so we might breathe more quickly. It also shifts blood to our muscles so that they're ready to take action. On the other hand, the parasympathetic nervous system is like the brake pedal for our nervous system. It's what helps us rest and relax and regenerate after facing stress or a threat. This is especially important after our sympathetic nervous system has been activated. We want to be able to discharge into our parasympathetic nervous system. In the parasympathetic, our heart rate reduces, our blood pressure reduces, our breathing slows down and deepens, and we're able to let go of muscle tension. And as the name suggests, 
it is the state we need to be in to properly digest our food. This is the state that aids in digestion. It pumps blood to the digestive tract, whereas the sympathetic nervous system actually slows or stops digestion by stopping blood flow to the digestive tract in favor of sending it to our muscles so we can take quick action. You can think about it that if you're under a threat, like you need to run away from a predator, you're not needing to digest your food at that moment. So your body is going to try to put energy towards what is needed. Whereas when we're in rest and digest parasympathetic state, that is the state where we're able to be digesting our food properly. So in general, we are cycling between our sympathetic and our parasympathetic states throughout the day, and we need both for a healthy, regulated nervous system response. You don't want to be in a parasympathetic state when there's a car barreling down the road at you in your lane, or when someone's trying to punch you. You need to be able to take action and get yourself out of the way. Just as You don't want to be in a sympathetic nervous system state when you're sitting down to eat or trying to have intimate time with your partner. So we are striving to have a healthy fluctuation between these two states in our day-to-day. Now, if you want to understand how these different states specifically affect our gut brain and are linked to your digestive and mental health and are likely contributing to your chronic symptoms, then please grab your copy of my guide. It's free, it's in the show notes, and it will walk you through all of this and give you some tools to begin to shift those states and strengthen your gut-brain connection. So here is where things get really fun because we get to break down the parasympathetic branch even further into two different states. I know, it's a lot of breaking down and a lot of different states, but just hang with me here. So these two states of the parasympathetic nervous system are known as polyvagal theory. Polyvagal theory was researched and developed by Dr. Stephen Porges. And this theory is based on how humans respond to danger. Remember, our autonomic nervous system is our source of our survival responses. Our nervous system is always working to make sure we are safe in our environment, in relationship to others, and in our bodies. Our autonomic nervous system is like our personal surveillance system. It's our threat detector. It's always on guard, constantly scanning our environment, how we're relating to others, and our internal world for threats or danger. It's asking Is this safe? Is this person safe? Is my body safe here? And all of this is happening without our conscious control. We really aren't even aware that it's happening. We don't have to think about it at all. Our autonomic nervous system does it for us. So polyvagal looks at the parasympathetic nervous system as two distinct complexes, two distinct branches. The first one is called the ventral vagal complex, and this is the more recent state in our evolution, and it's the highest functioning one and the first one we will utilize when facing a threat. The other is the dorsal vagal complex. This is the most primitive one in our evolution, and it is the last resort we will use when facing a threat. Now, you might be hearing the word vagal, and wondering if this is connected to the vagus nerve. If you are familiar with the gut-brain connection, or if you've listened to my podcast episode about the gut-brain connection, or any other episodes that have talked about this, you have likely heard about the vagus nerve. It is the main communication pathway between our gut and brain. It is also a major component of the parasympathetic branch. And this is such an amazing example of how intertwined and connected the gut brain is with our nervous system, especially the autonomic nervous system. So first, let's look at the ventral vagal complex. This is the state where we feel safe and connected. We're connected to ourself, to others, maybe to our purpose, 
to spirituality, to nature. We feel calm and peaceful. This is our social engagement state. So when we're feeling social, able to laugh and make eye contact and smile, we're feeling mindful and present. We might be curious, open, creative, playful. We feel grounded. This is a state where we can access our intuition, where we can reflect and integrate things that we're learning. We might have a sense of truth and purpose. This is where we feel compassion and empathy, where we experience deep intimacy and love. This is also where we feel at our most healthy, vital, well-being self, where our digestion is functioning its best, so is our immune response, and we're able to rest and repair within our physical body. So that is the ventral vagal. Now, we like to be here as much as possible, but arousal happens, and that might be positive or negative arousal. So again, positive could be something like giving a presentation at work or performing in an athletic pursuit our system will start to activate the sympathetic nervous system to meet the need of this action and bring us out of that ventral vagal more into the sympathetic arousal. This also happens with negative arousal. So this can look like all sorts of different types of stressors. Too many emails coming in at once, a traffic jam, running late, just a really busy day, a kid who won't stop crying, an argument with our partner, feeling left out, being bullied, inflammation or infection in the body, too much screen time, not eating enough food or eating really poor quality food, whatever can cause a person to feel stress. This, of course, can be greater threats, such as an accident, neglect, abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, or verbal, being gaslit, living under oppression, racism, being robbed, held up at gunpoint, invasive surgeries, being in war, etc. A lot of those bigger threats that we can think about when we think about trauma. Now, some of these smaller stressors in the day-to-day may not seem like such a big deal, Why are they such a big deal to our system? But we have to remember that in general, our autonomic nervous system is a primitive system and it can't really tell apart the type of threat or stress that we had in primitive times, which was more like hunting and being hunted by predators, to our modern world, which is full of constant, chronic, psychological daily stressors. And... Everybody's system responds to stress differently. So what is stressful for one person may not be stressful for the other. We also begin to utilize this system and start to learn as children whether the world felt safe or not. What was stressful? And how we respond to stress depends on what our environment was like, what our caregivers modeled to us in their responses to stress, our genetics, and any adverse or traumatic early life experiences we may have endured. Our system can actually still be responding to stressors or trauma from our past it can still believe that we are under threat. And this is something that I will get deeper into in an upcoming episode about trauma. So when I refer to stress or threat, I am talking about all these types of stressors, threats, and traumatic experiences, whether they were in the past, whether they were passed down to you generationally, or whether they are something you are currently facing in your day-to-day life. So let's come back to that ventral vagal, social engagement, connected state. And let's imagine we're in ventral vagal. We're feeling calm and peaceful. 
We have an overall sense of well-being. Our digestion feels good. We're feeling connected to our friends or a partner or family member. We're, we're taking care of ourselves and maybe we're out playing or feeling productive and following through with plans or goals. And we just have this overall sense of feeling grounded and regulated in our body. And suddenly, we're faced with a threat. Now, the first thing we do when facing this threat and having that increase of arousal is that we're going to go to that highest functioning, most recently developed state in the ventral vagal to see if we can utilize the social aspect to get out of this threat. So this could look like calling out for help or maybe calling a friend. If it's something we may be able to talk ourselves out of or talk through, we will. You could see this as a really good example if a bear was looking aggressive towards you. The first thing you would want to do is try to yell and scare off the bear if you've been taught about bears. Or if a person was robbing you, you may tell them to okay, just, just take my money. Please don't hurt me. Please don't do this. You don't want, I, I won't tell. I, I'm not going to look. I, I won't let anyone know, right? We're going to try to use that social engagement system to see if we can call for help, talk ourselves out of it, and use that to remove the threat. Now, if it doesn't work to utilize the system, or that's not a possibility given the threat that we're facing, we're going to go into the sympathetic response, the fight or flight. So again, sympathetic is when we're ready for action. And the action we're going to take first is fleeing. If we can run away, we're going to do that first. If we can't run away, then we will go towards fighting. Again, this is a healthy response for many of our daily occurrences, but for this purpose, I'm going to talk about it as a response to threat or negative stressors. So we're faced with a threat or a negative stress. Let's think about that bear example again. So the bear is coming towards us. We tried to yell and scare it away, but that didn't work. So now we're looking around to see, is it possible for us to run? Well, again, if we know about bear safety, we know it's not a smart idea to try to outrun a bear. And we're also sizing up this bear and we're seeing, yeah, I'm not going to be able to outrun this thing. So once we know that that's not possible, we're going to turn to fight. And we are going to use all we can to fight off this bear. So in this state, we are mobilized. And I want to take a moment to think about this state in terms of common daily stressors. So an example, you're on your way to an important meeting and you get stuck in traffic. While you're waiting in traffic, you can feel that your heart rate is starting to increase. Your palms are getting a little bit sweaty and you're feeling anxious like, ah, I can't be late for this important meeting. As you feel this, you turn to your phone while you're waiting in traffic and you begin to look through your emails and you start to feel overwhelmed by all you have to do today. That's piling on top of the activation you're already feeling. Then at that moment, your partner texts you and asks you to pick something up on the way home that sends you over the top into overwhelm and now you're feeling just frustrated, irritated, super anxious. You might be having a panic attack because that was just one more thing to add to the list. Even if you wanted to help out, it just sent you over the top of overwhelm. So in this state, in the sympathetic fight or flight state, we will often experience anxiety and overwhelm, panic, worry and concern, fear, and all of those are a little bit more of the flight response. With the flight response, you almost feel like you just need to run away, like maybe you need to leave a room or you just want to avoid, you want to avoid the situation, 
that could look like distracting, like you're sitting in traffic and you're feeling anxious, so you go to your phone to just kind of distract and avoid. Well, that brought you more anxiety. You might want to avoid emotions that are coming up. Or you might feel like your mind is spinning and you're just full of thoughts or obsessive thoughts. And you feel like it's just not safe to be in your body. And commonly, it's when you feel like you just can't slow down. Like there's too much to do in the day. You need to keep going. You need to keep accomplishing. You need to get all these things done. That is what flight can feel like in our day-to-day. Now, when we're looking at fight, fight can feel a lot more like anger, frustration, irritation, rage. And we might feel a little bit of that fight and flight at the same time, kind of sensations of both. And there is a positive side to both of these experiences, right? As I said, sympathetic can be both positive and negative arousal and stress. So for an example, a positive side of having the flight response is that you can feel empowered. Like, I know how to keep myself safe. I know where to go. I'm on top of it. I'm capable of leaving. I'm capable of taking care of myself. I'm capable of setting a boundary. And that's similar with fight. On the positive side, it is being assertive, being decisive, confident, setting boundaries, having healthy aggression, saying what you want. So that's an example of how these things can be positive responses to certain stressors or threats we might be facing. And then in the sympathetic fight or flight state, you might also notice sensations in your body. So this can be like feeling heat increase in your body, getting sweaty, especially like sweaty palms, heart rate increasing, your breath will probably get shallower and more rapid, you might feel more lightheaded or dizzy, you can feel a tightness and clenching in the jaws, a really common place to feel that, or in the neck or shoulders, in the arms, especially if you're kind of like in a fight response, you might feel like your arms come up and your hands go into fists. You can feel some shaking. So let's go back to the bear. So we're in our sympathetic nervous system and we're with that bear. We couldn't scare it away with our yelling. We weren't able to run and we're not able to fight it off. Now our system is going to go into the next response, the last resort, the dorsal vagal complex. And the dorsal vagal is our immobility response. It's the last resort when nothing else has worked. It's that most primitive part of the autonomic nervous system and vagus nerve. This is where our body is saying, okay, this bear is going to kill you now. Let me protect you by taking you out of your body so you don't feel the pain. That is dissociating. And you will see this in mammals all over the world. I can share a recent example of watching a cat hunt a squirrel. And it approached me with the squirrel in its mouth and this squirrel looked dead. It was completely limp, lifeless. But right when the cat let that squirrel down, it activated into a flea response and tried to get away. And this happens as a way to, one, make the predator not interested in that prey anymore because now the predator thinks the prey might be dead and it doesn't want the dead carcass. It doesn't want that rotten, unhealthy meat. And then the other thing that this response is doing is preparing the animal to die, to be killed by this predator and be able to disassociate from the body so it doesn't feel the pain of being killed. And this is the same thing that our nervous system is preparing us for when we are in this dorsal vagal immobility response. However, in our modern world, we do not need to be in a position where we are about to be killed 
to go into this immobility or freeze response of the dorsal vagal. This can simply come from too much overwhelm too fast, chronic stress, too high levels of stress, a traumatic experience of any kind, and from being too activated and are sympathetic for too long. And in this freeze response, we are going into energy conservation. So we can feel disassociated. And that can be like we're feeling spacey, unreal. We might feel like we're not in our body. It might be hard to remember things. Maybe time passed and we don't even know what happened for the last hour. We might feel just really heavy and exhausted and numb and have brain fog. We can feel really depressed in this space. And people who suffer with depression can often feel really stuck in this shutdown response. From here, we can also feel very hopeless and apathetic. We might feel just really alone and lonely. We feel shut down. We can feel trapped. This can also be a place where we are feeling a lot of shame. And we might have a really hard time speaking when we're in this space or moving our body at all. And we may not have very many facial expressions or be able to make eye contact. And our body functions are slowing as they're preparing for death. So this can be causing digestive issues, immune system issues, chronic fatigue, and other symptoms of the sort. And in this state, it seems like not much is going on. I mean, if you are... If you interact with someone who's actively in a free state or in a dissociative state, they might be talking really slow and moving really slow and maybe having a hard time making a connection between something that they were just saying in a story and they might seem just kind of like, deadpan in their face, not a lot of expression. You can hear it in the voice when someone is in a freeze response. Everything is a lot slower. And in our modern world, that seems like not much is going on. But this state is actually the highest level of activation that we can be in because it's our last resort. It's in preparation to die. So let me give you some examples. So one example is, say, you're having dinner with your partner and you start to talk about a frustrating thing that happened that day and maybe that's starting to get you a little bit activated and then they say something that triggers you and you start to feel really angry. And it's bringing up this feeling that you had with one of your parents where you felt that your parent just could never really hear you. They didn't listen. Maybe your partner interrupted you. And you begin to spiral into more anger. And instead of being able to release and express that anger in a healthy way, you just begin to disconnect and shut down and you walk away from your partner. And they probably have no idea what's going on. So they approach you and try to ask what's wrong. And you just feel like you're frozen, like you can't speak. Like maybe you don't even know what's wrong, but you just like, you feel like you can't move, you can't speak. And all you want to do is just crawl into bed and just kind of be there. Maybe you're feeling a bit hopeless or depressed. Another thing that can happen is that you've had a really stressful day at work. And you've been overactive in your sympathetic nervous system all day long. And you haven't been able to deactivate into that ventral vagal connected social engagement space. And now by the time you get home, you just feel like you can't do anything. You're absolutely exhausted. Maybe you feel like a train hit you. You can't move. You might even feel slightly depressed like maybe you had ideas of something really nourishing you wanted to do for yourself that evening, but now all you can do is sit down and watch TV and eat junk food. And if you've listened to the episode titled 
Do you have a hard time slowing down? I talk about this experience. And this is something that I experience a lot as I tend to have a pattern of being in my sympathetic nervous system and getting a little too overactivated in that response throughout the day because I'll go, 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 and I'll do, 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 and I'm trying to accomplish and get things done, and there's so much to do, and how am I going to do it all? And once there's some spaciousness in the schedule, especially after a really busy stretch of time, I can sometimes go right into that shutdown response where I just feel exhausted. I have brain fog and I can't think. I don't really have a lot of motivation and want to go do the things that are nourishing activities for me. And I feel a bit depressed. And I wouldn't say that response is one that I go into too much, but it can happen. And I notice that it happens once I've been activated in my sympathetic for too long. So when we look at the ventral vagal, which is that social engagement connected calm space, and we look at the sympathetic and we look at the dorsal vagal, our freeze response, we go through these in a sequence. So if we are starting in our ventral vagal, when we first have some sort of arousal, we're facing some sort of stressor or threat, We're going to first go from ventral vagal into our sympathetic response. And then if it continues, then we go into the dorsal vagal response. And we also come out in the same way. So if we're in a dorsal vagal, we're stuck in a freeze response, we're going to come out first into a sympathetic activation before we can go into the ventral vagal state. And this means two things. One, ideally, we are finding healthy, supportive ways to deactivate out of our sympathetic nervous system and back into ventral vagal throughout our day so that we don't get overactivated and sympathetic and go into the freeze response. The second thing is that often if we are in a freeze response, especially if someone is feeling stuck in that response or they find themselves in that place often, underneath that is a sympathetic fight or flight response that needs to happen. Some sort of fight or flight response that did not get to happen in the past. And I'll give you an example from a recent client So she tends to go into a more dissociated freeze response within her nervous system, especially when facing stress. And we were talking about her relationship with her mother and how she feels herself shutting down when she's interacting with her mom. And so I was curious, what fight or flight response may be under that shutdown? And what we discovered is that she feels a lot of anger and frustration towards her mom and how she was raised and things she didn't get as a child. And she never felt that she was allowed to express those things. She is never taught how to express those types of emotions. And she's afraid of expressing. So it became really clear that there was this unprocessed anger and frustration, and even rage under this freeze response, that this unprocessed anger triggered her freeze response, especially when it came to interacting with her mom. So her work now is to begin to express that anger in a healthy way on her own, not towards her mom, but on her own, and begin to move through that response in her system and help deactivate that freeze response. And this is just amazing stuff. So if you do deal with being in a freeze, shutdown, dissociative state, there is likely some sort of anger, frustration, rage, irritation, or fear Uh, a need to run away from something, to protect yourself, to escape, 
um, maybe even an anxiety or a worry or a concern that might be underneath that freeze response that needs to be completed. And you might need support in learning how to express that fight response or express that flight response and complete those things. So those are the three main components of our autonomic nervous system. The ventral vagal, which is our calm, grounded, open, social engagement connected system. It's the place that many of us are striving to be in our day-to-day lives. The sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight response, a really important space of arousal we need to attend to things in our day-to-day life and keep ourselves safe. And then our dorsal vagal, which is the immobility or freeze response, which is a really brilliant way our system developed to keep us safe in the face of threat. Now, without getting this too confusing, I will just mention that there are blended states, and I'm not going to get into too much of what these blended states are, but I will tell you three of those blended states that are combinations of the three main components of our autonomic nervous system. So one of those states is play. So this is where that social engagement system and the curiosity of that ventral vagal social engagement system is blending with some activation. You see this a lot in kids on the playground. They are excited, they're playing, they're taking action, they're playing games, a lot of movement in the body with that connection to others and that curiosity and that imagination and creativity. Another one is fawn and this is when that sympathetic nervous system meets that freeze response and fawning is a trauma response that is trying to achieve safety through typically people pleasing at the cost of one's own needs or really trying to fit in with a certain group or community or caregivers so that you have a sense of safety. And there's a lot more to fawn that I might talk about in a later episode. And then there is stillness. And this is where we have the ventral vagal, social engagement state, mixing with the dorsal vagal, freeze response, This is when we're in states of deep meditation and relaxation and stillness. That dorsal vagal helps take us deeper into that relaxation. Now, the last thing I'm going to talk about is briefly going over what it means to have a regulated nervous system and what nervous system dysregulation is. So in a healthy response, we are going to have an ongoing cycle of charge and discharge. So a healthy ongoing cycle of going in to our sympathetic nervous system and back into our ventral vagal parasympathetic nervous system state. We have this functional range and this full spectrum of resiliency. It's kind of like a nice flowing line in between these two states. Or as you can see with a blended state, we might engage something else like the dorsal vagal with a bit of that ventral vagal to achieve deep meditation and stillness. So when there is a threat, we're able to go into the sympathetic nervous system and respond. And then when the threat is passed, we are able to go back into our ventral vagal or our parasympathetic nervous system. Now, nervous system regulation does not equal calm. It's not a synonym for being chill. Regulation is about being able to shift in response to an experience. And regulation is always a moving target. It's our capacity to respond appropriately to environmental circumstances 
It's the way our body will support us or not support us by putting us in the optimal state of arousal to deal with what's happening. So as I mentioned before, it would be dysregulated to be calm in a ventral vagal parasympathetic state if there was a car bearing down the road at you. You would need that sympathetic activation. Just as healthy aggression and advocating for ourselves and setting and maintaining appropriate boundaries is really important and helpful for navigating trauma and healing and keeping our nervous system feeling regulated. We want those states of arousal so that we can activate those things and recognize when situations aren't good for us and I can get away. I can flee. That's an empowering state in the sympathetic response. And we also want to be able to access that dorsal system, that freeze response to access those deep states of calm and meditation. So a healthy nervous system has behavioral flexibility. It's like being in the flow of the stream of life. Like if you're flowing down a river, you're able to navigate around the rocks and the trees and the bends, whatever comes your way. Responses in the nervous system are fluid. They're resilient. You're appropriately responsive to a variety of circumstances. In this space, in a healthy nervous system, a person also feels embodied and present in all parts of themselves, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. They feel that they have choices and options. They feel available for connection and emotional stability. They have a capacity for healthy relationships. Their body and senses can relax. Now, what can happen here is that trauma can come in or even a chronic stress pattern and it can disorganize the whole thing. It can disorganize the person's system. It can break through their boundaries and leave them feeling like they're unable to flow with life. They're unable to be with experiences as they unfold because it feels too dangerous. It does not feel safe. And now their system's trying to protect them by going into these different states of arousal. So this is where someone may get stuck in on like in the charge, in the sympathetic nervous system. Or someone can get stuck in such high levels of activation and arousal that they go into the freeze response, into the dorsal vagal. And that's like being stuck in off. The nervous system becomes overactivated and can get stuck in these responses when stimulation happens too fast, too soon, and is too overwhelming for the system to handle and to deal with in normal resiliency. And there are a lot of different symptoms that can come from overactivation in either state and from different levels of dysregulation, right? Some people might be stuck in the sympathetic, in more of an on. Some people might be stuck in a freeze response, in more of an off. They might kind of have activation of both, where instead of going nicely between a sympathetic and ventral vagal response, they actually can get stuck in too much sympathetic, and then they go way too down into a freeze response And they're not able to find that healthy, undulating line between the two. That healthy cycle between the two. And I lay a lot of these symptoms out, uh, specifically linked to gut health and mental health, in my guide that I've already mentioned that's in the show notes. So please be sure to grab that and gain a deeper understanding if you haven't already. Now, most of our nervous system responses have been programmed since childhood. And if we experience something like chronic stress in our environment as children, 
our nervous system likely has a hard time going into a rest and digest state. And it might be very sensitive to the day-to-day stress response in our environment and in our autonomic nervous system. And our gut brain can be programmed this way too. This is something we commonly see in IBS where it is a very sensitive system happening in the gut brain and the way that they are communicating with each other. And the symptoms that you may face in your gut brain are often caused by dysregulation in the nervous system. So as a child, you learn ways to keep yourself safe. And these ways are trying to protect you. They're, they're called protective mechanisms, but they may lead to overactivation. And one thing we can start to do to understand is to become aware of the triggers, the beliefs, the habits, and the patterns that we have. And this can lead us back to root causes of our symptoms. So it is possible to find more regulation, resiliency, embodiment, presence, flow, and enjoyment in our life, as well as reduce or eliminate chronic symptoms when we begin to work with our nervous system. You're not broken. You don't need to just talk yourself out of it. In fact, that doesn't really work. You don't need to just change your mindset or be better at meditating or speak more affirmations or eat a cleaner diet, or any of that. Not saying those things aren't helpful. But just remember, your body is brilliant. Your nervous system is just trying to keep you safe. And sometimes it may still think that a threat is around that isn't. Or it may have a more sensitive response to stressors in your life. And you can support it and being regulated and resilient and therefore live a more fulfilling life and therefore really find healing from your symptoms or some of your triggers or some of the ways that you might feel stuck in your life. If all of this information resonates with you or any part of it resonates with you and touches on what feels true for you, or seems like the missing piece in your healing, then please reach out to me. You can always book a free 30-minute discovery call to see what it might be like to work together at this time I am taking on new clients. You can also get on a wait list for my upcoming group coaching opportunities on my website. And you can download your free guide, get juicy emails all about this work, and as always, follow me on social media for more information to support you on this journey. Thank you so much for tuning in, taking in this hefty episode, and I wish you a regulated and resilient day. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and share it. That helps it reach others who will benefit from this information. So much gratitude for you. Have a beautiful day.